Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to Resilience Unraveled. Um, every now and then, there's a guest I'm particularly looking forward to talking to, and one of those guests is today. Amber Kira is with us in da building hi amber how are you hello i am so excited to be here thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your show oh it's our pleasure it really is and um i'm so and i can tell by your accent that you're not from these fair isles but somewhere else across a pond in another world in another time zone so where are you in the world that's right. I am in California in the United States. Ah, oh, so there you go. It's now, now and I don't like you anymore. You know, you're sitting <laughs> in the sunshine state, drinking orange juice, having a lovely yes. time, and then def- not, not having any fires outside. That would be a good thing. You've gone through some real problems in California recently, haven't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's just, uh, we try and keep ourselves pretty grounded, but we are, we are a people that like to have a good time. So those, uh, those, those trials have been quite challenging for us. <laughs> it's a good test of resilience. Yes. So, okay, then Amber, well, how would you describe what it is you do? I am an adversity coach and speaker. So um, through speaking on stages and my absolutely favorite thing, which is one-on-one coaching, I get to really use my story, my gifts, and my skills to transform leaders into bold world changers and to help people really align their vision with their reality. It's powerful work and I absolutely love it. That sounds fantastic. And uh, I, mean, I obviously know a bit about your story. So um, why don't you, why don't you tell, us, tell us how you came to be doing what you're doing? Absolutely. So I actually am legally blind. I lost 90% of my visual field throughout childhood. And that all started when I was probably about two years old. I'm a twin. So my parents had Uh, two babies at the same time. So they always had one to compare the other two, um, which was helpful in this particular case because they noticed some things about the way I would respond to a lot of uh, visual concepts uh, just wasn't exactly the same as my twin brother. And after a lot of poking and prodding and doctor's appointments, as you can imagine, I got diagnosed with a degenerative eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa. I cannot spell that. So don't ask me to spell that, Russell. (laughs) I can. It's on your website. (laughs) 
goodness, I can't spell it if I tried. So, <laughs> but, and, so, uh, and, so and so what is that? Condi- you say it's a de- degenerative condition, but what is it? What happens? Absolutely. So degenerative, um, you know, meaning that I... I lost my eyesight at an undetermined, you know, rate and time. Yeah. And that that eye condition, the way it, it uh, really manifested itself in my particular case was that my eyesight started to decrease from the outside going in. So right. at this at this particular point, I don't have any peripheral vision, which right. is what people see like on the outsides, up, down, uh, to the left and right. I have only a little tiny percent of central vision. And so we like to kind of, you know, just for quick reference, call that tunnel vision. Yes. So if you could just imagine looking through a straw, what that would be like, that's pretty much all I can see is through a tiny little field of vision right in the center of my eyesight. That that is, I, I mean... It's one of my real fears, losing my sight. And I, I can't imagine how, I, I know you don't know any different. And, and, and people say that, oh, it, you know, you were a child, you wouldn't know any different. How, how, how would you know what you never had? But I mean, what was that like just growing up in a, in a sighted world where everything's, and of course you didn't lose your sight at a young, at, a, at an older age, you lost it young. So I'm guessing there are tons of experiences that you've just never really had. I mean, that must be that must be frightening. Well, you know, one thing um, you know that I can remember is just the the differences in um, my eyesight from year to year. So I can remember specific moments where I was in school and we had you know like a school reading program. And we had similar books from grade to grade. And I can remember, you know, one year being able to read, read that font just fine. And then the next school year coming back and not being able to, to see the print at all. So just noticing those changes in my eyesight, but still having to learn all the things that you have to learn when you're a child and growing up was, was very challenging. And I, I must say, uh, looking back, I can see that added layer of stress that it put on me as a kid you know growing up because you know kids kids have fun but they're also learning a whole lot at once and they learn a lot of those things visually they watch mom and dad do something they watch their siblings do something they watch their teacher do something and they copy that and so having to figure out a way to do those things as a kid was was very challenging which has created this um really advanced level, you know, resiliency really is my superpower. And it's something that I get to teach on stages and through one-on-one coaching. And, you know, what really has made me a great coach was having those specific experiences that, that have taught me to thrive in the midst of adversity. How can I show up and be my best self and live the life that I'm called to be, even though I am facing this extreme adversity that is not going anywhere because Russell, the truth is that I could wake up tomorrow and lose the rest of my eyesight that I, that I have today. And, and I can't imagine what it's like to live with that, but you've got to give a shout out to your parents because of course, you know, your bit, um, but of course they've got their bits as well. And as, as someone who's gone through this process yourself, 
I mean, your parents will have made mistakes and they've got a lot of things right and they will have do, they would regret some things they did. Do you, have a, do you have a bit of advice for any other parent that has someone with a similar condition or any sort of major sight issues? Do you have any advice for parents of yeah. children like that? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and this is going to apply for parents who are facing, you know, any type of adversity. That could be a disability, that could be an eating disorder, that could be um, maybe your, your child just doesn't want to do their homework. That could be for anything really, but uh, it's going to be challenging, but really getting, getting through those moments and, and being committed. So, you know, uh, I, I told this story on a podcast the other day about how my parents were committed to me learning how to, um, to clean and to care for myself well, even though I couldn't see. So I give the example of me learning to wash dishes for the first time. My twin brother and I would take turns. So one night he would wash dishes, another night it would be my turn. And so I remember, you know, I I didn't really perceive and understand that my eyes didn't function in the same way that other people's eyes did. So I was trying to wash the dishes visually and, you know, if it looked okay to me that the dish was clean, then that, that, that meant it was clean, which was not the truth because my eyes didn't work the same, um, that, you know, they didn't function in the way that, that would be able to tell me that information. And so I remember time and time again, being called back into the kitchen over and Mm -hmm. over and this is after a late night. Both my parents had full-time jobs. They'd come yeah. home, they help with homework, they cook dinner, they, um, you know, clean up a little bit after dinner, they take showers. So this is like late nine o'clock. My parents are super tired. They could have easily just cleaned the dishes themselves um, in half the time it took for them to teach me this skill. But I remember being called back into the kitchen, say, hey, you know, this dish isn't clean, you need to learn to, to wash this. Instead of using your eyes, let's try using your hands. And I yeah. would just fuss and scream, I don't wanna put my hands in this dirty dish water, like it's gross, I don't wanna have to feel the grime. But I had to learn how to use my other senses to be able to help me complete these tasks. And it took, it took and that's just a very small example. Yeah. It took my parents a lot of time. And what, what I noticed was that they were committed to the outcome of me being successful and independent, regardless of this circumstance that I was facing. So to all the parents out there, you're gonna face challenges and circumstances as a parent. But whatever the case may be, starting from a standpoint of being committed to the outcome and the success of your child is going to be is going to be a game changer. So, so, so that's really interesting. What you're telling me, and I mean, what a shout out to your parents. They expected you to be able to perform. So they they had you know they weren't just going to allow you to become a victim, and 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 have a pity party. There was very much that ingraining in you the sense of, you know, um, you have to put the effort in, you have to put the work in, you, you have to keep going, you have to, you have to find a way to adapt to be able to create the outcome that you're looking for. I mean, that's a very good message to learn at a very early age, isn't it? Yes, and I, I am grateful for my parents every day, even when I'm, you know, dealing with circumstances that we all deal with, like, you know, having to work and pay rent and, you know, deal with things that are challenging. I really have this supernatural knack 
for <laughs> overcoming these obstacles and just digging down deep and, and doing it anyway. I might be afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. This might be time consuming and challenging, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that really is stems from those experiences that my parents were uh, stewarding throughout my childhood. That's fascinating because we often talk on this program about parenting and how important it is. And actually your parents have sort of modeled a very interesting way of doing it. And it is fascinating to see that your parents expected much of you and, and came up with coping strategies and resilience and helped you do that. And there are many people without the condition you had who are sort of let off the hook by their parents and they're, and they're allowed to fail and they're allowed to become victims. They're allowed to have a pity party. And so, you know, what's fascinating is that you, became, you, in, you, you live independently, but you went to high school and then on to university. So that yeah. was a, that's a hell of achievement. You know, that's an achievement for anybody. But, you know, when you're, you know, you're, you're suffering with a, with a condition such as yours, that must make a whole studying process so much more difficult. I mean, how do you cope with that? Well, you know, I, yeah, it was, it was definitely challenging. And just starting off in, you know, in that grade school kind of era, um, I remember it took me, probably about four or five times as long um, as, as it did to do my homework than it took my twin brother. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so I just remember that was, you know, very challenging, you know, while the other kids are just outside playing and I, I'm just like in this doing homework for hours and hours and hours. Um, I was like, this feels so unfair. Yeah, but um, you know, of course, we get past that, and that's 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 very um, you know just microscopic. Um, but you know, going on to college, undergrad, grad school, I got my bachelor's and master's degrees, and I just said, hey, I'm gonna do this, and I figured out a way to do it. And um, you know, I've met people who um, they don't have a visual impairment or any kind of disability, but they decided they go to college and things get challenging and hard and they quit. Um, and it's okay to change, change courses, change direction. Um, but what I've noticed is that the people um, who excel in the midst of adversity, again, uh, they start off being rooted in commitment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even for the people I've got friends who they decided, hey, college is not for me at this time. And they're still going on to live their purpose. Um, and then there's others who just drop out completely just because it's hard. And uh, I, I found really the, the difference there is the, the root. They're rooted in purpose. They're rooted in commitment. And even the ones who change direction, they're still following through with their original purpose um, and vision for their lives. They've just simply changed direction. But it all starts from being committed to the finish, committed to the outcome, committed to the purpose. And that's, yeah. and, that's, and that's fascinating, isn't it? Because there are, there are many, I mean, many people in the corporate world even who, who you'll ask them, you know, um, how, did you, what, how did you end up where you were? And they say, oh, it was all just casual, it was luck. And, you know, and I say, well, where are you going next? And they say, well, we don't know, we'll drift along. And, and, and I don't think they really get, because it is hard to understand that they're sort of leaving a load of potential on the table. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the thing, of course, is that if you're happy, that's fine. But of course, a lot of those people aren't happy. You know, they're, they're quite miserable about being, you know, and, and discontented. 
and uh, so I love that talk about vision and purpose. I think that's I think that's so important, and uh, it's a part of resilience to to have a sort of an idea of what you want, and actually being compassionate enough in yourself to get what you want, and actually not be worried all the time about giving other people what they want. You know that's important, isn't it? And I love what you you know. So you've had to do that in your life, and I love what you've done in terms of turning that into the powerlifting side of your story so tell me about that yeah that was a lot of fun so i i lifted um on the powerlifting team in college uh at my undergraduate university and got to compete in two national competitions and a world competition and that was a lot of fun i remember in you know just growing up middle school high school that sort of thing always feeling like i wanted to be a part of a team but of course most sports are very visual, right? Basketball, soccer, football, um, you know, and and not really adaptable for people with visual impairment. So I I often felt very left out in that I didn't get to explore that particular side or that particular realm of me. And so this was just the perfect opportunity for me to be on a team, for me to compete, but also for me to develop uh, not just the, the outer strength, but the inner strength, like, yes, I can do this. Um, I can overcome my fears. I can overcome any limiting beliefs. I can push past that and accomplish this goal. So it was a, a great decision. And I'm really grateful for, for that experience. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, undergraduate was quite a few years ago and I don't get to really, uh, you know, remember and talk about that yeah. particular aspect. So it, it helped me develop a lot of inner strength and have the experience of being a part of a team. It was a great time. <laughs> I do. I do it's, it's, remar- it's, it's very interesting what you say there and that learning to be part of a team is so important for people, isn't it? That idea of winning and losing is an important part of mm-hmm. life's experience. And, and it's also yeah. that folk. And I also think that, you know, people who have done some sort of sport, dan- dance, music at any sort of, you know, uh, um, a high level, it teaches a mental discipline, doesn't it? And, and it teaches a way of thinking and, uh, and adapting and coping. And, and you're talking about, I mean, you're someone who walked into this with a, a track record and dealing with adversity, but there are a lot of people in the world who only ever find themselves when they've gone into things like sport. And I noticed you're doing kickboxing now as well. I mean, you're a fierce lady. I'm going to keep out your way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have a lot of fun. That's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's fascinating. So I'm really, uh, it's fascinating that you do that. So, um, and, and of course, I mean, I am looking at your website, so I'm cheating here a little bit, but I'm seeing a picture of a, of a, um, a cute, a cute dog with a big, big nose. And, oh yeah. Um, is this, is this your, is this your number one pal? Yes, absolutely. I have a, um, so blind people have pretty much two, two options of, of mobility. That's either a long white cane or a seeing eye dog. And so I use both. Um, the seeing eye dog is definitely the cuter option and she does have a big, uh, a big nose. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's a beautiful um, black Labrador retriever named Della. And uh, she's actually sitting at my feet right now. So she's been very helpful. I, I live in a, a big city. Yeah. A small city, but very big. It's uh, San Francisco, so it, it, it functions as a big city with trains and buses and busy sidewalks. So having a seeing eye dog has been like yeah. the perfect way for me to be able to get around independently. 
Brilliant. And so obviously you talked about workshops and training, but tell me about the coaching and tell me about the charity that you founded as well, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So coaching is definitely one of my uh, all-time favorite things. I love, love to coach people one-on-one. So I health is my background, as you can probably notice from all the different health activities that I participate in at all times. <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my master's is in health education, health promotion. So quite naturally, a lot of people come to me for health coaching, but most of my clients, they come to me for that life coaching, for really that transition and transformation coaching um, to get from, from one phase of their life to the next. So really, I'm like, world's best cheerleader (laughs) and um an adversity engineer that's kind of the title i've given myself is chief adversity engineer because i really have a knack for navigating challenging circumstances so when my clients come to me and they've got this huge goal of wanting to start a company or run a business or make a transition in their lives um you know i really walk alongside them and help them um really tactfully and gracefully and powerfully engineer any sort of adversity or challenge that might come up for them so that they can get from point a to point b and get to that transformation make it through that transition um, as they continue to move forward so i I just i love one-on-one coaching so much it's been powerful and my clients are just like making incredibly bold moves in this world and major impacts so it's it's a wonderful thing that's fantastic and and what's the charity what's the charity that you're involved yeah with? absolutely so i am also the founder of a nonprofit uh called canes for christ and we equip blind children all over the world uh-huh. with the tools they need to live life boldly in christ and so that looks like um we take mission trips to other countries and um we actually get to put a cane in the hands of children who are blind for the very first time. And it's the most amazing experience um, that I've ever had in my life, actually is handing a blind child a cane for the very first time and teaching them how they can use it to access independence and um, freedom in their environment so they can go on to be a bold world changer as well. So we're really just raising up a generation of blind children who are going to make a big impact in the world. Fantastic. No. You're doing great work. I really think it's absolutely brilliant. And um, I mean, your site's, you know, oozing with brilliant testimonials and such like. So, you know, you're, you're someone that probably you know, needs to be talked to and, you know, uh, talked about a little bit more because obviously you've got a really interesting story and a fantastic message here. And if people want to get hold of you, Amber, how, how would, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I, so one of my favorite things is just hearing here obviously i love to hear people's voices sure. Sure, <laughs> that yeah. means that means a lot to me and it's just such a great way to connect so um if you find me on facebook or instagram it's just my name amber kiera a-m-b-e-r-k-i-e-r-r-a um you can find me on facebook or instagram send me a voice message and um alternatively if you're interested in one-on-one coaching at all or just want to find out more about that um i would love to just offer up a complimentary 30-minute connection call with me um and i can just hear what's on your heart hear your story hear where you are and where you'd like to be and just explore that together and make a meaningful decision um, 
as to what that could look like. So um, just all in all thrilled to be here. And I love, I would love to connect with everyone who is listening because that is just the most precious thing to me is to, to hear someone's voice and be able to share in their story. Amber, that is brilliant. So, um, and also you have a website, Amber Kiera, which is Amber's name.com. So you can also catch her there. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Amber. You've got a fantastic story. It is amazingly inspirational. And, um, you know, I, I metaphorically and literally, I can't take my hat off to you literally, but metaphorically will take my hat <laughs> off to you because you're a real inspiration. So thank you for spending time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. You take care. Hi everybody, I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.